Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzbeer Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Mortez, alongside Ryan Swimmer. And today, guys, we have a great episode for you, so let's get to it. Starting off, we haven't really been able to discuss baseball since the World Series closed, so we're going to start there um, with the World Series and then filter into um, more of a local dynamic here with the Boston Red Sox. But starting with the World Series, Swin, what was the first thing that jumped out to you in which was the least viewed World Series ever? Uh, to me, what jumped out the most is just it's one person. It was Corey Seager. It's his second World Series MVP. He played out of his mind. So did Adolis Garcia as well, who got hurt midway through the World Series. They're uh, they're still fairly like Scherzer and Degrom. So I'm expecting them to be good for at least a few more years, but. One thing that, that I thought about immediately after is this is Corey Seager's second World Series MVP. He obviously won one with the Dodgers when they beat the Astros a few years ago, and he just won his second one with Texas. Is, is, is it absurd to think that Corey Seager right now is on a Hall of Fame trajectory? Nobody talks about this guy. He always plays. He's consistent. He's an all-star caliber player, and this is his second World Series. I think he might be on his way to Cooperstown, which is even crazy to think about because nobody talks about him. Yes, when um, that is definitely an interesting um, statistic. Let's just run through some numbers. As you said, those two World Series MVPs, I believe there's only been like four people that have done that. Um, really not common. He's only... Um, I believe he's only like 27 years old, something like that. He feels really young. Batting average career, 292, um, 170 home runs, 32 wins above replacement. I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy at all to think that because here you are, he's 29, excuse me, but here you are, you know, coming off, which was a really, really good career for him after his second year in Texas, after um, being with the Dodgers for those years, and you kind of... I felt like he was always overshadowed on those Dodgers teams just because of all the star talent that he's had. But he came over to Texas. He had a really solid year last year. And then obviously he turned up this year bag 327 over the regular season. I think we need to see a little bit more regular season projection from him. But in terms of his just postseason, what he's been able to do is just absolutely ridiculous. 19 homers in the postseason. 48 RBIs in 78 games, just 254 in batting average. So really, really good numbers in the postseason, and he's definitely one of these playoff performers. Another thing that jumped out to me was how you win in baseball, and this is where, you know, I really want to look at it because, you right, obviously the Rangers beat the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks were a bit of a younger team, not – not a high payroll at all. Didn't have a lot of big contracts on that books. And a lot of that's due to, you know, the fact that they really were rebuilding. They really didn't expect, I don't think anybody expected them to be here at the end. But um, in terms of the Rangers, just listen to these contracts of really their top five highest paid guys. You've got Corey Seager, 10 year, 325. Jacob deGrom, five year, 185. Marcus Semyon, seven years, 175. Max Scherzer's on a three year, 130 mil deal. John Gray's four-year 56, and Nathan Evaldi's two-year 34 with a club option for 2025. 
is it big? We'll say it again, but big players win big games, and that's something that I think the Red Sox can take away from this World Series especially. Absolutely, and I mean, you saw a former Red Sox pitch out of his mind. I believe he was 4-0 or 5-0. Nate Valdi was unbelievable this postseason. He pitched a lot of key innings for them. He was the ace, pretty much the ace on the, the roster with, without DeGrom and, and, and Scherzer's health kind of in question during the postseason. He showed up in big moments, and he delivered. And and so did, like, the younger guys as well. Adolis Garcia, unbelievable. You had guys, yeah, and you had guys who didn't really have much experience, but they took that from people like Corey Seager, who's been there before. Scherzer's played playoff baseball, so the the mesh of the young guys and the players with experience that are still fairly young really benefited this this Rangers team. And one thing I noticed from the Arizona side is is their inexperience showed. A lot of base running mistakes. Their third base coach sent home Walker, and and he got thrown out. Perhaps. And and those mistakes in postseason baseball, they're they're everything. They change the momentum. They could even one mistake can change the trajectory of a series. So the like you got to be on top of that stuff. And Bruce Bochy, a multiple time World Series winner with the Giants and the and the Padres, and, and now at Texas. I mean, his coaching experience showed. I mean, the decisions he were making was timely. They were smart, and, and you could see that as a result. So it's coaching matters in baseball, believe it or not, and so does experience because team and an old, uh, not an older team, but they had some experience, and, and you could just show just throughout the whole series. It was, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing that you saw in terms of managing was that Bocci was allowed to manage on field, right? You see so many teams um, force their managers to do things. You know, you, the pitcher can't go through the third time in the order. Stuff like the, where teams are so analytically based, that's nice to see a manager kind of manage on his gut and have it pay off like it did for the Rangers. But with that, let's shift over to one of the more analytically um, – Sound, I guess is a good word, organizations in baseball with the Red Sox obviously hiring Craig Breslow to run their baseball operation. Former relief pitcher, very smart guy. Um, That was kind of his calling card. But Swin, I just want to read you some quotes. These are straight from his press conference. And just, this doesn't sound like a baseball guy. This sounds like, you know, an econ professor giving an assignment or something. But here here are some of the great, the good ones. Ready? The idea of deploying our players in a way that maximizes positive outcomes by creating the most favorable matchups we can is a term that I would call optimization. And I think that's synthesizing analytical information. I've never heard the word synthesized used ever, let alone in baseball. Here, I mean, it's the responsibility of the analytics department to try and identify and leverage competitive advantages for the coaching staff to keep players kind of moving in the same direction. I think great decision makers are great synthesizers of information. What I would think I would like to represent is an ability to weigh different information streams and to engage in conversations with the empathy of all parties. That's just three, but I mean, in, in and what ended up being a really 
long press conference, you hear words like asymmetry, enhancement, um, just word pillars, like complex interactions. Those aren't words that we associate with a baseball diamond. And that's interesting for me. Is this another just Yale Ivy League nerd coming into room baseball? And I think with in Breslow's case, I think his ability as a former player to connect with the major league roster is going to be beneficial. I'm willing to give him a chance. He says he's going to help out the pitching staff. Um, any thoughts in terms of Breslow running the baseball operations? Uh, when I first saw the signing, I was I was really I was like I was I was shocked. I guess you could say. I mean, Breslow pitched for the Red Sox, World Series champ. Can't say he was the best player on the team, but he was okay. Um, I also listened to the press conference. It it just seemed like a lot to me that didn't really need to be said, shouldn't have been said. It sounded very nerdy. Um, the whole thing about the analytics, in my opinion, as, as someone who is big on baseball, personally, I don't think they mean that much. You can get a favorable matchup. Say someone's 7 for 10 off of a pitcher, well, well, the pitcher's also doing research to try and change that. Maybe he's mixing up his looks, his deliveries, fastballs, change-up, new pitches, right? So it, 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 the matchups, the, the favorable matchups, they, they don't, that doesn't really matter to me because you got to react in the moment. You see a fastball, you got to adjust. If you see something that you're not expecting, you have, it's a game of adjustments, right? So matchups in the past don't mean anything because hitters get better. Pitchers get better. They get older. They get wiser. So the whole analytic thing to me, I don't care about as much as maybe some other people do. Um, one thing I did hear in that press conference, which was refreshing, uh, it, it was like the, the owners are willing to do whatever it takes to win, right? And they're, they're willing to spend however much money, right? So that could either be two things. And they mean that. And as Red Sox fans, you should be excited. Or that could just be fed straight to Breslow to kind of BS his way through the interview just to kind of take the heat off of the owners from the fans, right? So I guess we'll really see uh, over the winter during free agency, which I believe starts really soon in, in, in the upcoming weeks. We're, we're going to find out if the owners mean business and and, and, and Breslow as well. And I, I honestly, Breslow, it's tough to do your job when you're a big market team and you don't spend money. The Red Sox, they're a big market team in Boston. Jersey sales are up. Tickets are expensive, right? So they, it's not like they need to save money like a team like Tampa. So we'll see what happens over the, uh, the winter. But I, I know Red Sox Nation expects a big free agency and a big season, and they, they expect to be back into the playoffs come October 2024, and they expect to be competitive. Yeah, in terms of what I personally think about that, I mean, I I can't believe that right now, just what we've seen the past couple of years, whether it's been cutting players, you know, not re-signing Xander Bogarts, not re-signing um, Mookie Betts, whether or not he wanted to be here, you know, that's a question for another day. But something else was Breslow seemed willing to part with prospects in order to increase, you know, in order to make the major league roster better, which I thought was encouraging as well. Because I think 
you know, Heimbloom did a lot of things well. One thing that he did well was he did rebuild the farm system. Um, but the guys that are contributing right now, uh, Bayo, Tristan Costas, those are all Dave Dombrowski guys. But the guys that will come up eventually will be Heim's guys. But I think that Heim was just really out of touch with the fact that you can't play every prospect that comes through your system at the major league level. Like, that's just not going to happen. So at some point, you do need to start moving some of these pieces for major league um, for major league benefits, and I think that's something that Breslow is going to do. Um, I mean, there's a ton of... there's It's an encouraging free agency class. Obviously, got Shohei Otani as the big fish, but Jordan Montgomery, who the Red Sox have repeatedly um, or reportedly inquired about just this team needs pitching that should be their primary need from there and then probably filter out the rest of the um roster up the middle especially second base shortstop hopefully trevor story coming back will stabilize that shortstop position but the team does have a lot of holes that breslow doesn't even fix and you've seen the opposite effect of them building the farm system right you see Schwarber have success in Philly and I mean they didn't even trade they didn't even get anybody for him they they just let him walk and you've seen Evaldi have success in, in Texas as he just won a World Series and you play well with the Dodgers Mookie Betts struggled in the postseason but had almost a MVB caliber season with them that award hasn't been named yet, but he's definitely nominated, right? So you've seen these guys that the Red Sox have had, and they've they've, they've almost shipped away. Why I'm not sure, but and you've seen them have success, right? So in order for the Red Sox to win, you got to do the opposite. You got to be the one to give up the prospects to go get the, the the star players. And you saw Texas do that, right? They gave up prospects to get Scherzer. Scherzer got hurt, but they still took the chance. They went all in. The, the Red Sox got to go all in. Heim kind of towed the line of, I'm trying to make the playoffs, but I want to I wanna build the farm system up. So you, you, you either got to gotta go all in or all out. And as, as a Red Sox fan, uh, the, the fans want you to go all in. And another thing I will say, too, is, is he's got a tough uh, Breslow's got a tough job this season because you know historically in the past they have signed guys to big contracts that have not been healthy like Trevor Story missed most of last season Chris Sale pretty much every year since 2018 right so you you also have to prepare for that and it's almost an expectation to see those guys get hurt now it feels like cuz it just happens every year yeah, um, yeah. I mean, death, taxes, and injuries. Um, really, in any sport, something you can count on. With that, um, let's shift over to the NBA. Obviously, we'll have some more baseball coverage throughout the winter um, regarding big moves, potential rumors that we're hearing, stuff like that. But the biggest news to come out of the NBA this past week: the James Harden trade. James Harden being traded to the Clippers. Um, along with P.J. Tucker and Philip Petrusev for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, 2028 unprotected first-rounder, two second-rounders, 2029 pick swap, and an additional first-round pick from OKC. So, I mean, the great scheme of things, he wasn't going to play another game in Philly, right? They obviously had to make this trade. I feel like they waited in terms of the Sixers. They probably got as much as they could. He really only wanted to go to um, L.A. L.A. was really the only team kind of. 